Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, the podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm your host, Isaac, and this episode we have yet another matchup analysis segment coming to you. So with the huge events that have been in the Jetpack Cups and the Probe Droid Cups, we have seen a lot of different players run a lot of different lists and do varyingly well with them. And obviously we've seen Maul do very, very well. Uh, Derek has done amazingly with his Guardian list, but we also saw something which... I did not expect to see, let alone expect to see in the top cut. And that is, of course, the Tuscan Raiders, in case you couldn't guess that by the episode title. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring on the one and only Joey, who ran the Tuscans at one of the recent Probe Droid Cups and made the top eight cut with it, which I was very impressed to see. And so speaking of the man, hello, Joey. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Doing well, Isaac. Thank you. Um, glad to be here. Excited to talk about some Tuscan Raiders. Awesome. So before we jump into your background, because you haven't been on the Built on Hope podcast before, uh, let's first bring on the others. So we also have, as usual, David. Hello, everyone. Yeah, this will be pretty exciting, because we did have our Academy episode a while ago on Tuscans and Bantha. It'll be a nice revisit. Exactly. So if you are new to the game, because we have seen a ton of new players join the game in the recent months. So if you are new to the game and you have never really played with or against Tuscans, I would highly suggest going to watch the Built on Hope Episode 3 Academy 1 episode. I believe it's called something to do with Jundlin, just like this episode. Uh, that one was made prior to the Season 3 uh, buff to the Tuscan Raiders, so not everything will be completely accurate, because we've probably trash-talked them quite a bit. <laughs> um, to be fair, they deserved it at that point. Yeah, they, they really did. But if you're new to the game and you have no idea what Tuscans are, I would probably suggest going to that episode first, as the Academy episodes are aimed towards beginners, whereas the matchup analysis, you know, beginners can watch it as well, but it probably helps if you have a, a fundamental idea of what the figure is supposed to do. Uh, but we also have the one and only wonderful Jessica. How are you doing, Jess? I'm good, thank you. I have all of next week off, so I'm really looking forward to doing some sleeping in. That sounds marvelous. So yeah, before we dive right in, Jess, why don't you tell us the news? Alright, so for news, IACP Season 4 approved play is now over. There were six facile seasonal tournaments over a number of time zones. Congratulations to all of our winners and our participants as well. Morgan Gee won two, one Jetpack Cup and one Probe Droid Cup. Kyle Bossom also winning two, a Jetpack Cup and another Probe Droid Cup as well. And Isaac winning the Jetpack Cup EU and Derek Martins the Probe Droid Cup EU. All participants should be receiving their prizes soon. Anyone in the US or Canada, Chris will be shipping out prizes shortly. Everyone outside of the US and Canada, prizes have already been sent out and you should be receiving them soon. All right, biggest news obviously, season 5 has been released. The testing league started up on February 8th, but you can Feel free to join in, in any games um, outside of the official testing league. If you are interested in joining the Season 5 testing league, contact Derek Martins at iacontinuityproject at gmail.com. The first update based on playtesting feedback is scheduled for March 8th. There will then be a second update on March 29th when there will also be a map rotation. ISB headquarters will be rotated out for a new map to be determined. The Season 5 community vote will also open at that time and stay open until April 11th. 
after that, we will have a three-month period of Season 5 approved play. Now, during the Season 5 testing period that we're currently in, not only are the new Season 5 changes going to be tested, but there are also a few cards that the steering committee is considering changes to, even though they were previously approved in other seasons. So the following cards are up for re-approval because although they were approved are not really seeing very much play and so the only change that is being made is by a one point cost reduction. So the figures are Zuckus, Dengar, Biv Bodrick, Jedi Luke, and the ATST. So just a one point cost reduction, no other changes. And another change, or rather reversal, that is being tested in Season 5 is removing the nerf to Assassinate, which would allow Assassinate to be played with other command cards. Now, these reapproval changes will be in the community vote along with all other Season 5 changes and will only become reapproved if they receive over 70% approval from the community. There is also currently going on the Jedi Trials League for new players. You can chat with other people on the IACP Discord, and if you're interested in joining in on the Jedi Trials League, speak to Chris Emick, and again, you can email at iacontinuityproject at gmail.com. Just as a note about how the discussions are occurring, there is kind of a formalized change that has been happening. Most of the text-based discussions are moving off of Discord. So the Discord servers are going to be primarily used for looking for groups and for voice chat when you're playing a game, but any kind of discussions about rules or new cards or any kind of IA community discussion is going to be primarily on the Slack, the Zion's Finest Slack. So the main reason for this is because on the Slack, it's able to do a threading feature. So it just keeps the discussions neat and tidier. You're able to find things more easily rather than Discord, which all conversations just go into one channel. So it just makes it a little bit easier to discuss in multiple different conversations at the same time as we're participating asynchronously. If you're unsure about how to use either the Slack or the Discord server, feel free to contact us at Built on Hope or obviously the IA Continuity Project folks. All right, that's it for news. Excellent, thank you very much, Jess. And so yeah, let's just dive straight in. So before we look at the Tuscan specifically, let's talk a little bit more about Joey. So we know we don't just have a random weirdo coming onto the podcast. I mean, spoiler <laughs> alert, he is a random it's, weirdo. It's, it's but... a little bit of both. <laughs> exactly. But he's an experienced random weirdo. So Joey, what got you into the game of Imperial Assault? So what got me into Imperial Assault, I wasn't there at the start. I ended up coming in later. I was a, I, I, I still am a big fan of FFG's Arkham Horror. And if anyone has an FFG game, they know that they come with those little booklet inserts. And on the front page of this booklet insert of all their other products was Imperial Assault. And my friends that's were like, oh. That's how you got into this game? That's amazing. Yep. That's, that's how really... I got into this game because my friend was like, hey, Joey, look at this cool Star Wars game. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And so I got it. Yeah, we're huge Arkham Horror LCG fans, actually. So. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a one that that's a good game too. 
But yeah, so so found that booklet, played played through the campaign a couple of times with my friends, and it's like, oh, there's this secondary mode, this skirmish mode. So tried it out and got a taste of it, and like this is this is really good. I like this. It's a good competitive game. <laughs> Indeed. So so when was that? How long have you been playing the game for? I I want to say that it was twenty. It was it was the tail end of 2015, start of 2016. It was just when the teasers for the Bespin expansion stuff was coming out. Oh, so the exact same time as me then. Yep. That's awesome. Alrighty, so do you recall your first Imperial Assault tournament then? And what kind of got you into competitive play? Um, so actually what got me into com- hardcore competitive play was uh the local group around here i went i ended up going to comic-con that year and our local phoenix company because i'm from phoenix arizona so the phoenix company had a little like a uh, demo for um for skirmish imperial assault and so i went to that met some of the guys and they were pretty they were they were pretty awesome and so ended up joining them every thursday at our local game store from then on to play uh to play skirmish and so my first tournament was just a um was a store tournament and i want to say that bespin had dropped at that point and so I ran the Royal Guard champion, a couple of ISBs, officers. Um, so, you know, not not hardcore competitive list because I wanted to use my favorite unit, the Royal Guard champion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the Royal Guard champion in tournaments, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you get into the top 16 cut of Worlds 2018 with the Royal Guard champion? No, no. I think it was 2018 Worlds? No. I've uh, never gotten into the top sixteen for worlds. I got I got twenty first, so I did not make the cut. Oh, very very close though, very close. Considering you were uh, running uh, because that was a five activation list with Vader, Palpatine, and Royal Guard Champion, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, it it was nope, no Royal Guard Champion because I was like I want to oh, really? be competitive. Ah. It was ah. no, it was Isaac always mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I could have sworn that, that you had. Maybe, oh, I'm, for maybe sure. I'm just mixing. <laughs> no, maybe no. I'm just mixing I, it up. I realized after that first store tournament that at 15 points he was never going to pull his weight, which made me sad. Sadness. Yeah, he was actually one of the first first figures that I was looking at too, because that speed six also super attractive. It is. It is mm. speed six with with two with brutality. It's. It looks good, but it's just way too luck reliant with his low health pool and no rerolls on anything. So how do you find him in ISCP? Now we're off on a tangent, but how do you find him in ISCP? Since oh, I, I love him. Points? I love him so yeah. much. At 10 points, that variability doesn't hurt quite as much, and it's wonderful. Yeah, the world's list ended up being uh, Vader, Double Riots, Palpatine, and an Officer. So it was five activations. Hey, I got something right. Yep. And yeah, I went five and two, losing to Brett Kelly, which, you know, you can never be too upset Oof. at a loss to mm-hmm. Brett Kelly. Right. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, nice. Well, in that case, so in other words, you've had a long experience in Imperial Assaults, yes. and you are very, very good at it. So what got you into Tuscan Raid lists? Uh, well, the first, the first list that I had was me going willingly to it. It was... I didn't consider it a Tuscan list. It was a Bantha list. Um, yeah. 
because it's like, well, you have all these queen pieces, and I know it may sound ridiculous, but the Bantha can be extremely effective at eliminating queen pieces because of its unblockable damage. And I had Tuscans in there because if you have Junlin Terror and the Bantha dies, you want other units that can use Junlin Terror. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, so that was a high activation count reliant on uh, end of round, start of round uh, Bantha shenanigans. And that one did decently. Had a couple of mess ups, so that list only went one and two in uh, the the first um, tournament game of the season or tournament uh, setup of the season. But after that, uh, there was some discussion on on the Slack. People were asking, "Is like, oh, what's what? What are some good list lists for beginners, but aren't necessarily competitive?" And so Derek, he ended up throwing out this list. It was Java with Salacious Bikram, two sets of Tuscan Raiders, two sets of Gamorian Guards. C-3PO and an elite Jawa. And he's like, yeah, this this is a fun list for beginners, but it's not necessarily competitive. And me, being a person who loves melee, I'm like, I, I don't know. I think that's pretty competitive. Challenge accepted. Yeah, cha- challenge <laughs> accepted. Derek was like, oh, if it's competitive, why don't you run it at the next tournament? And I'm like, oh yeah, I will. And so I did. That is amazing. All right. Well, in that case, let's dive straight into the Tuscan then, because obviously you did make the top eight cut very, very well. And which, which, because I, I, I heard of that bet. So it wasn't really a bet, more of a challenge. Yep. But I, I heard of the challenge and I thought, okay, yeah, good luck with that, Joey. And then I checked the, I checked the calendar the next morning and, oh, Joey's in the top cut. Huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, so let's, so before we dive into the tactics and everything, let's read the Tuscan stats. Would you like to do that for us, Joey? Certainly. Uh, The Tusken Raiders, they are a uh, cost seven group. Each of the figures is three points each, which is a nice, nice when you're trying to win on objective points. Um, They have an innate one damage. They surge for pierce one and they surge for weaken. They have seven health. They have a movement of four. They defend with one black die and their attack pool is green red. They have uh, one ability, which is called Tuscan Cycler. Um, you perform a ranged attack and apply plus two. Sorry, you perform a ranged attack and you replace your green die with a blue die, and you gain plus two accuracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that that is a very interesting model because I I was not expecting it to really be good enough after season three, but now you know it did pretty good so well can we pause there for one second so we're talking about the icp version of the tuscan raiders what was the change so the change for the iacp tuscan raiders they lost a surge for cleave one and they gained the surge for pierce one Uh, alongside that tuscan raider used to um or sorry tuscan cycler used to make it so that you couldn't use abilities when you perform Tuscan Cycler and it didn't give you any accuracy. So you were attacking with your blue-red with no innate accuracy. So, you know, <laughs> minimum range two, which is, it's like, oh, I have reach. Good job. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, and, and you didn't get out, the plus one and you couldn't yeah, use surge abilities. Unusable. Yeah, it, basically it was unusable. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, it was, really it was complete trash. It wasn't unusable. It was just not good. <laughs> it it I mean, was usable before Bespin came out. 
It was it was usable in the sense that you can legally put it into a list. No, they 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 still they still had some brawler synergy, but the the added flexibility was was definitely a was definitely well well needed. Yeah. So tell me about the rest of the list and that you run ran at the tournament and how it contributed. So you had Salacious, which is a very interesting choice. I love Salacious. I tried to build a list around Salacious one time, and it was so fun. Salacious so, is great. Uh, he's, he's one of the, my favorite models in the game. Yeah. Uh, but so you had Jabba, you had Salacious, you had Jawa, I believe, you had Gamorreans. How did they affect the gameplay of your Tuscans? So the Gamorreans, they are something that... Um, that you use to put in front of the Tuscans. Because effectively, the Tuscans and the Gamorreans have more or less the same damage profile. The Tuscans have the red green with a surge for Pierce One. Uh, they have the red green with the innate plus one and the surge for Pierce One. And the Gamorreans have two red dice with a reroll and no surges for, for damage. So effectively, they have the same damage profile because red, red reroll is generally equivalent to red, green plus one. Mm. And but the but the Gamorians are a lot hardier. They have one more health apiece, and they get an innate block against ranged attacks, which makes them which makes them fairly tough. Um, so the Gamorians basically they run. It's it's a melee list, and you want to be hitting people, so you just you run forward and you whack people. So the Gamorians run out first to take shots, and then you follow up with the Tuscans. Mm, fair enough. And so how did you find that you were playing your Tuscans mainly? Were they running up and brawling as well, or were they sticking back and taking their range for very, very good shots? Um, most of the time you want to be using... You want to get into melee, because red-green is obviously better than... Um, red blue but they are squishier so you take shots that are given to you and you play you play a little cagier with them but ultimately you do want them up in your opponent's face fair enough so what matchups would you consider are worst for you as in what is your struggle against the most and how did you find yourself tailoring the list I mean, maybe you weren't able to, to tailor the list because you had to take the list you were better to take or challenged to take. But how would you change it to be better against your worst matchup? Um, the worst matchup would probably be against someone with a lot of innate defenses. So the so Vader would be a very big challenge for this list because there's not a lot of ways for me to push through more than five damage or push through five damage symbols in my attacks uh, outside of focus. So queen pieces like Vader to a different extent, IG 11 and 88, uh, those guys are tough cookies to crack. I love fighting white defense dice because with the dice pools that my units have, it's very effective against white dice as opposed to black dice. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other problem with Vader is that he's happy for you to run up to him anyways. It's not going to scare him much. <laughs> Very true. However, generally, I've found that most people's Vader lists are not strong objectively. They're not good at controlling the map. So if you're facing something like Vader, you effectively just have to ignore Vader and go for... You have to make up his points and objectives. Yeah, right. Mm. Which is not that hard. I mean, it depends on the map, of course. If you get uh, reconnaissance, you're a little bit toast. 
Because what, that's eight attackers? Because you've got four Tuscans, four Gamorians. It's eight attackers, and the Jawa, the Jawa works as a solid attacker mm. as well. Yeah. Exactly. So you've got essentially nine attackers, one a lot easier to kill than the others, four of them a little bit squishy. Do you run Jundle and Terra in your list? Both copies, because it, it's mm. basically called the Vanguard for a very specific set of units. Yeah, and if you have multiple copies point, of, yeah. I mean, multiple figures that can use it, multiple groups, yeah. I mean, it works. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, a lot of Vader jets lists only have four jets for Call the Vanguard, and he's got right. four Tuscans. Yeah. Yep. That is really interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see that. So actually, let's, before we dive in further, what was your command deck that, that you ran? All right, so the, the command deck list was two copies of Junlin Terror, one copy of Parting Blow, one copy of Grizzly Contest, one copy of Dying Lunge, two copies of Pummel, one Negation, one Death Blow, one Face to Face, and then for the zero cost cards, it was Looking for a Fight, Urgency, Fleet Footed, Opportunistic, and Celebration. Pummel, that is very interesting. And I guess it does make sense because your, your Gamorreans, they do have reach. Yeah, very melee heavy command card deck, but it makes sense. Yeah. With with effectively all melee figures, you want every one of your figures to be adjacent by the end of round two, effectively. Whether you're having to double move or, or yeah, for whatever reason, by round two, you want every figure to be adjacent to an opponent. And so if you have Pummel, that gives you a lot higher damage output. In my Wookiees list, I'm running it because you, you have the hardiness to be there. And then once you're there, you should have enough targets that Pummel will always come into play. That That is very interesting. Cool. I, I like the commander a lot. So let's go into the strengths and weaknesses section. So what does your list do when everything goes right? What's the best case scenario? You draw the perfect hand, your opponent mispositions, you position perfectly, you love the mission. Round one, you're going to be focusing up a couple of Tuscans because that increases their effective range. Um, if, you're, if you're lucky enough, your opponent will put something out of position and you can snipe it with the surprising five range of Tuscans. Yeah. Ideal command card draw. Um, you want to see one copy of Junlin Terra. You want to see Dying Lunge. Other than, like, aside from those two cards, anything really works in the list. Ideal matchups are something something that has a cross between you want to be facing low-range figures that aren't necessarily super hardy. So if you're facing, like, Jedi or Spies or... Um, hunt, actually, Hunters, surprisingly, you can do decently well against because that 7-8 health range is just enough to require a little bit of extra effort outside of one attack. Mm. Yeah, so ideally you want a close-range map with a lot of line-of-sight blocking. So stuff like Coruscant Back Alleys, uh, the ISB Headquarters, which is one of my favorite maps, um, and and the map that just rotated out, Tarot's map. Was it Tarot's map? Yes, yes. Yeah, that one, that one was a good one as well. Yeah, hate it. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> so what does your list do when everything goes wrong? Your cards are crap, you hate the map, your opponent plays perfectly, and you have accidentally mispositioned round one or something. Um, well, then you are having units get one shot by the Mandalorian because he rolled 
exactly six damage, and you rolled a surge block. And so <laughs> there goes a Tuscan, poof, gone. That happened more than once. Um, you are on a map where the objectives are not worth a lot. So the, you know, Senate office is a miserable map. I hate one point objectives. They are the worst. Um, and if, if you, you just need to realize that you are going to take casualties on the approach and you need to prioritize which units are taking the hits. You want your Gamorians to be taking the hits. Um, so if your opponent is killing off your Tuscans, that's that's a bad start. Yeah, I find that in brawler-heavy, melee-heavy units, that's a huge, huge part of the play, is figuring out who takes the hit and when. Uh, especially the when. If you can control when your figures are dying, then that's really powerful. Exactly. Awesome. So how would you say that you would balance your playstyle to try and find a balance between... Because obviously you're not going to always roll, uh, draw the best cards. You're not going to always get the best map. How would you? How do you balance your playstyle to try and get the perfect balance between the two? Whenever you're thinking about how you're going to play, there needs to be one thing in your mind. It's how are you going to get to forty? With a list like mine, I've in ninety-five percent of my games, I don't go to time just because of how aggressive the list is. You either win quickly or you die quickly oh interesting um so it, it's always the question of how do you get to 40 you can you can generally calculate how many points you're going to get off of objectives especially on like two-year stations um or the senate the senators which is a great lit a great map by the way so if you can calculate that you can figure out which figures you need to kill and once you've got that down you want to kill off figures that do not have you want to kill off easy to kill figures if your opponent has fewer activations you can control the tempo and direction and flow of the game um, if you kill off their support units they're going to have a lot of hard time actually putting through uh, their significant amounts of damage so it sounds like though you play pretty aggressively with your units like you want to make things happen because you were saying that how by round two you want basically all of your figures up in their face yes yes so melee is you know, a fairly significant limitation you have to attack adjacent or with reach one space away figures and so ultimately it comes down to exploiting the positioning the the exploiting the positioning um flaws of your opponent if they want to take a shot you want to try to make it so that if they're taking a shot you will be able to attack them next round right and so if if but ultimately you do have to be aggressive because you're not going to take away any of their plastic if you are only sitting on objectives or trying to play back or not trying to take any casualties hmm. yeah that, that makes perfect sense so just before we dive into the maps would you consider Tuscans and especially this list an easy to use or a hard to play list? I I would say it's easy to use, but I, this is coming from a person who's played this game far too much and mm. <laughs> and knowing generally how far you need to get up to people and what positions you can exploit to make that happen. I think there's a couple of aspects to that, right? So it's easy to use, I think, in the sense that it's a very proactive list. 
where you have a, a game plan, right? You're trying to get everything within base contact as quickly as possible. So you can you can do the, the brawler melee thing. And in in that way, it's pretty straightforward. You're you're not trying to adapt on the fly with every move that your opponent makes as much. But then doing that successfully requires a lot of experience. So maybe it's uh you know easy easy to learn hard to master. Yes, I, I would go with that. But one one fairly liberating thing about melee lists is that if you have a choice, if you have a chance to attack something, even if it's the only thing you can attack, you don't even necessarily, even if you didn't necessarily want to attack that, you want to get your attack in, regardless of anything else. So let's say there's there's a one health figure that's running away that's just out of reach, but there's a full health figure that, that's within reach. You want to get the attack off. You always want to be attacking if you can be attacking. Yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense. All right, so before we jump into the gameplay section of the episode, David and Jess, you guys have played the Tuscans. Oh, I mean, we did play it quite a lot prior to our Academy episode, which was now over a year ago. It was ages ago. Oh my god, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but from your recollection from that, do you guys have any additional thoughts about the Tuscans? Any experiences that you got from playing them? So I think they play very differently now with the IACP changes. But one thing that I found was that they just didn't quite hit hard enough for what is being fielded in the meta. Like it, it doesn't do very well against, let's say, Vader. Like it, it was very hard to push through damage onto high defense figures, and they seem to get squished very often and they didn't have kind of any movement tricks so it was a little bit trickier to get them into position to be super effective especially like the one of the changes that was made was that the cleave was replaced with pierce the, the cleave was not very easy to use especially the positioning being quite tricky i found them fun to play and i liked the option of this tuscan cycler but i found that every time i used it i didn't get any damage through really mm. yeah i think um they are just quite outdated or were quite outdated my first tournament list was actually very similar to joey's i was also playing tuscan's bantha bosk at that time uh, i think i came in second at a store championship and way back in the trooper meta, they didn't feel that bad. They they could still beat stuff to death. But recently, when we tried it, you know, they were attacking left and right and just doing nothing to anyone. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even a particularly defensive list. You know, that was a because I believe we played them against um, death troopers and jet troopers, and even there, they just fell completely flat. Yeah, I mean, well, jet troopers had two plus two health compared to elite stormtroopers for example who are their original yeah, opponents that is true awesome well let's dive straight into the gameplay section of the episode then so joey will go through each of the maps and yeah we'll talk about how it is you play on those different maps so first and foremost let's start with the oldest one the the most loved the most hated uh, probably not the most hated, but the most... Uh... Are we going to talk about Lothal Waste? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what, I mean, what's that, Lothal that... Waste? I don't, I don't recall what you're talking about. I have no idea. 
I, I mean, there is no one. I, I don't think there's anyone who who would call the Fall Wastes the most loved map. But it, it's been it, ISB. That's obviously ISB stations. So ISB stations has been a controversial map because it's got some some weird missions, but. It's also one of the oldest ones that has been in rotation, which is now back in rotation. And so, Joey, on the two different missions, what would you describe your aim for round one as being? Uh, the aim for round one, let's start with to your stations. Regardless of what side you're on, you want to have someone on each critical position. Mm. You want someone on each critical position and you want to be threatening their terminal. What do I mean by that? I mean by, so you want to be going up the central corridor where the doors are. Um, you want your opponent to open the door, even if it means you're going to be taking shots, because that means in round two, you are going to be hitting them and you are going to be contesting their terminal. So you're starving them of command cards. Um, so yeah, you will have each of those, you'll have each of those positions. You will likely get six points right off the bat because you will have, um, you'll have those, those two critical positions. They'll probably contest the single position. Um, but that's not, not too much of a worry. Although if you're facing someone like Boba Fett, who then pulls you off of it, it's going to be a rough time. <laughs> yeah. Boba's probably not a model you want to face with your list. That, that was my loss in Swiss. Um, so yeah, to your stations, you want to, round one, you want to be contesting each of them, and you want to be close enough to strike at the start of round two. Uh, for And then in round two, you obviously are starting to murder all of them. You will open your door. Your Jawa is your, I'm going to do air quotes, your objective runner, because... Ultimately, he's your worst of your attackers. I mean, still not a slouch, but he is he is your worst. Um, you'll also always focus. You always want to focus the Tuscans because that extends out their threat range. What else? Yeah. So that's the start for um, that's the start for to your stations on reconnaissance. Reconnaissance is probably this list's worst mission because yeah. you have a lot of figures and a lot of figures that are trying to get up to your opponent. So it is very easy for them to put a very good camera. They'll probably get at least five, maybe six points off of off of their camera, which it's pretty hard to swallow when you're only getting one or two, maybe three off of yours. Such a dumb mission. I like, I, I, I like it. It's, <laughs> it's still a good mission, just not necessarily for this list. Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting. So... How would you describe your ideal tempo as being? It sounds that it's very, 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 very aggressive. It is. As I said, by round two, you want to be hitting your opponent with your melee attacks, which is is very aggressive because you're not you're not going to be hitting them round one because, I mean, they, they have a door and they have space. You're, you're just not going to be hitting them round one unless... Um, unless you get your Tuscan shots in, which, they, they, which can come in clutch. You want to go last with your Tuscans because they have that ranged five threat with the focus and it's wonderful dice pool blue green red plus one is nothing to slouch at so you can get a nice nice mm. sneaky strike in there yeah exactly i mean the, the Tuscans shooting have become so so good since the icp change because yes i mean just like you said it's a previously it was a worse version of reach that's it whereas now it's they they don't really rival weak ways uh, but as far as minimum range goes, they're comparable. 
they are they which which is really nice but they don't surge for accuracy so you really don't want to go more than one outside of minimum accuracy because they can't re-roll and they don't have a surge for accuracy so you, you kind of need to be at that minimum range if you want to be consistent um, but they, they they do make effective skirmishers again you want them if you're going to be playing kg with any of your units it's going to be the tuscans because they do have that option of getting that ranged attack in Yep, makes sense. And, and so, so I'm especially curious about your objective utilization on reconnaissance, because I feel like it's pretty straightforward with uh, the other one, the stations one, where you just stay in there for as long as you can, rack up points until they come to you, and then you beat them to death with sticks and spears. But how, how do you work around reconnaissance? Is it just ignore the objectives, run up as fast as you can so they don't get too many points in time? Yes. You run up with reckless abandon to eliminate as much plastic as you can. So you do a Joey move, though? Yes, you pull a Joey maneuver, which is just, you know, <laughs> you just yell as loud as you can and charge. No, no, we'll Love go it. with Napoleon tactics. You do one volley and then you run in there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, anything to add, David and Jess? Yeah, uh, nothing, nothing brilliant to add. I mean, run up and murder seems about right to me. <laughs> yep, I mean, because running up and murder will get you better camera positions than if you're trying to sit back. I, I guess I do. I do have a question for you. Maybe since you were talking about making sure you get all of your attacks out, does does attacking a camera kind of register on that priority? If you could attack a person or a camera. If if the choice is getting into position to attack or attacking a camera, you get into position to attack their figures. At the end of round, they're going to spawn a camera regardless, and they're still going to see most of your units. So having that other camera really shouldn't affect your gameplay. Mm-hmm. So never, never attack the cameras in an all-melee list. It's, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So here's something I'm actually very curious about. So you do have four, kind of five, very, very good shooters in the Tuscans. Would you at all in reconnaissance consider yourself playing defensively? I know the word might not be in your vocabulary because of the way you play, <laughs> but, uh, but, but because you've got all that shooting and then Jabba being able to potentially bully if you pull them in far enough with all the corners that are available in the map. Uh, you you hit the nail on the head. It is It is a very viable thing to sit back and shoot and have them come to you but that's 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 just that isn't that's not my play style i i i'm very antsy i like going forward so playing that type (laughs) of sit back sniper force them to come to you it doesn't mesh with how i like to play but it could be very very viable especially if you're playing against a very mid-range list or a list that needs to kill you a list that has that isn't going to win by sitting back itself. So if you're facing another sniper list, no, it will not work. If you're facing a mid-range or a close-range list, it would be a decent strategy, yes. Hmm. Fair enough. Alrighty, well, let's jump on to the next map then. Let's take a look at Coruscant Senate Office. What's your aim for round one on the different missions? Um, you're getting all of your units in the central spire area, regardless of which objective it is. Um, because that gives you the most line of sight blocker and it gives you the most movement options. Um, you might be opening your door 
uh, to have Tuscans shoot if they're playing fairly aggressive. But all of your Gamorians are going to go to the Spire, and you will just try to take opportunistic shots with the Tuscans if you can grab them. But uh, otherwise, you're, you're you're moving forward. Fair enough. So how are you utilizing uh, your Jawa in that one? Is he running up, or is he being your terminal sitter? Uh, no, you are... The Jawa is always going to... Is almost always going to be your door opener. Um, mm. Because... The Tuscans can shoot, and the Gamorians need to double move. So yeah. ultimately, it comes down to your Jawa to to be your sacrificial door opener. Fair enough. And so, what's your ideal tempo on this one? Because because the map is so huge and doesn't have it's got decent cover, but it's not it's not Malhata in terms of available cover. D- does your tempo change at all? How I play it, the tempo never changes. It's it's go forward <laughs> as fast as you can and attempt to club them with your dice. I love it. So uh, the 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 um, at dawn mission is nice because you'll be taking less effective attacks because of the accuracy, the negatives to the accuracy. But the objectives are one point each, so you can't really you can't really fight over them if your opponent is a close range or or another melee list yes you can fight over the objectives but otherwise you're really going to get your points from killing your opponent's figures and making sure they don't get points from the objectives which is like Mm. two points that you're putting them off so i guess i have to ask again you know what about whacking those senators because it's it's a little bit different from cameras, right? Since they're a mm-hmm. finite resource in this one, and they give you a lot of points. Your opponent will not be able, with this kind of list, your opponent will not be able to push their senators in. You are a melee list, Ooh. you're going to run up to their face, and they will not be able to advance their senators. So ultimately, you don't need to kill them, you just need to prevent them from getting in, which is what you're doing, because you're going to be in their face and making them backpedal. So how does that work then? Because the senators can still move without any player models to be able to push them into position. They can move adjacent to each other. They normally get in in round three. If your opponent isn't able to use any figures to push them up, they you're only going to get one of those senders in on round three while you are getting your full compliment of them because you're pushing them up with your Jawa and 3PO. Mm. And since your your senators are going to be scoring 21 points, you need to kill 19 points of plastic. It's a fairly... That one, I love that mission. It's like, okay, I'm going to kill this figure and this figure 100%, and then I'll pick up the other points in whatever is given to me. But ultimately, if if they're able to get your senators in, you've You've lost because that means you don't have control of the map. You're not in their face and it, your game plan has fallen apart. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so here's a more general question about the list that I just thought of. Um, Jabba, what role does he play f- to you? Does he give you more attacks? Um, obviously, he can't order a hit with the Tuscan Cycler, which is interesting. Well, Jabba, Jabba is, it's always, it's always very situational. Um, I mean, first round, obviously you're drawing a card and you're, and you're focusing a Tuscan in the later rounds. If his attack, the only time you will use, um, order hit is when you want to try to 
eliminate a figure that hasn't gone yet. That's that's generally the only time you want to use order hit is if you can eliminate something that hasn't gone or if you need to slightly reposition someone because you get the attack in, they get two movement points and that can that can also be very very beneficial because you can hide one of your guys that may have been close to death, which is which is useful. He's also good with Salacious Becrum. Now, if you remember the command card list, I have Grizzly Contest in there, and Salacious Necrom <laughs> can use Grizzly Contest. It's like, oh, someone has three health, and uh, Salacious is within three of them. Move up three, scratch, and Grizzly Contest. And so you just got that extra elimination in there. Oh, it's so gross. It's just so, I, Salacious is just amazing. He's one of the most fun figures in the game. He's also Easily the most super, fun companion. super broken health for uh one point for six health (laughs) yeah i know know. it's crazy i mean forget defense dice give me that on every figure i'll be happy (laughs) yeah exactly oh god can you imagine how much health vader would have if he had the same oh my god let's not let's not let's not think about that and it also makes a really big difference that he can occupy the same space as figures because he's not a figure right correct Mm -hmm. do you have opportunistic in the list yes so mm. when when I'm building an almost entirely melee list, there are four cards I will always, always, they, they are non-negotiable, will always take, and a fifth one if you're mercenary. So you will always take face-to-face. You will always take looking for a fight, urgency, and fleet-footed. Those four, every melee heavy list, you will take those cards because you can't do damage if you can't hit your opponent and you need to be next to them. And those cards help you get to your opponent. And opportunistic is great because that's that's three movement points. Plus, it is wonderful for setting up a pummel. Let's say you have Gamorrean one go. He wha- he moves up, whacks a dude. You play opportunistic to move up one of your uh, to move up your other Gamorrean, who's now in range and can play pummel. It's it's a wonderful combo setter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, opportunistic has won so many people so many games just because of the amazing flexibility of it it gives you the most movement points possible for a zero point card with no actions but it does have a cost which you have to work to get it it's not one of those where you just okay yeah sure i'll just casually play the card you have to do something uh, one of my favorite combos is using salacious you know on jobs activation salacious moves up and because he also does damage when he moves into someone, he moves six, moves into someone, does the damage to them. There we go. Opportunistic, someone gets to move three. He's now in position to be able to perform an attack, so Jabba does auto-hit. Or the other way around, if my Salacious has... Because uh, there was this list around a little while ago, which had Salacious and Jabba, and I had Cripple. So Salacious can move up three, select a model next to him, and say, ah, okay, so I'll spend an action now. You can't move for the rest of the round. Hey Han, you can't on the lamb. Yeah, can't lamb, and it's not—it's not a stun, so it's not like you can just um, use Unshakable or Yoda to get rid of it. You cannot move, no exceptions, nasty. which is so nasty. I love—I love both love and hate cripple. I had a—I had a bad experience playing it in my list once, and I just haven't gone back. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It involved crippling Ezra and attacking him with Vader and about six riots for two rounds and him surviving. (laughs) What? And then double recovering on a pummel. And I was just like, okay, that's game over. Game over. Game over, man. That's brutal. 
hashtag Ezra is dumb. ICP has not changed that. I haven't been seeing him too much, though. I mean, he does show up in the Force users list, but he's not in every Force user list. Yeah, exactly, which which is a good thing, because now we have other Jedi who are... Because, you know, you can be good without being dumb, and you can also be dumb without being good in regards to Imperial Soft models. And there are just other Jedi which are very, very good for the points. Diala is a prime example. Diala is going to go in almost every Jedi list just because of how good she is for her eight points. Whereas Ezra, he's he's dumb and he's good, but not an auto include anymore, which is nice to see some variety. Uh, yeah, so let's jump into the final map then, which is the Chopper base one, which is a pretty new one, completely new to tournament play, coming in in during the season five. I believe it was the approved section, but it might have been playtest. Uh, what is your aim for round one on that one on the different maps missions? Generally, it it depending on the mission the. The Krikna mission is another really bad mission for this list because it's you're you're going to be using your focus Tuscan shots to clear out the Krikna in the middle so that you can safely advance to the middle, get to the door so that you can open it and get to your opponent round two. Yeah, it's also what you want to do on the other mission. The only thing that changes really between the missions is whether or not I'm sending a Tuscan that is focused up to the door, the 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 side doors. Um, if you're on the right side, the door to the top is the one that I'm talking about. If you're on the left side, is the door to the bottom. You will send one that way, just as a just as a token token flanker that can also contest the objective down there. If you commit anything more than one figure. I'm even loath to commit one figure to it because it's generally not worth it. With the Krikna, you want to try and clear out the two that are close to you, but realistically, one of those Krikna is going to be able to come in and slash you a bit. Um, that mission is kind of awful because, in a way, you're by you gaining points, you're kind of giving your opponent points because the Krikna are going to spawn back in your opponent's deployment zone. Which is unfortunate. Only if you choose to. You do have the option of not spawning them in, but that's actually something I was curious about. Do you find it worth spawning them in, considering that I'm presuming you're being aggressive as usual, Yep. and it would be a nice kind of hammer and anvil move by them saying, okay, if you run back, you're going to take a bunch of damage from these Krikners. If you run towards me, you're going to take even more damage from my sticks and spears. Yep. Depending, depending on how they position it generally won't be worth it to spawn it in round one because realistically you might get one or two Gamorrean attacks in round two and a, and a shot or maybe three from the Tuscans, but not, not realistically. So mm. round, round one, you generally don't want to spawn the Krikna, but after that you do because it's like, well, do I attack his figures or do I attack this, the spider? Well, the, the, Real question is, which one do you want them to attack? I guess you want them to attack the spider. <laughs> I always want them to attack the spider. My 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 sticks and spears are going to do more damage than the spider. Yeah, and also your sticks and spear holder are a lot easier to kill than the spiders. Yes, yes, because those spiders are ridiculously tanky. Yeah, for I two know, points, right? I mean, it, it it makes the riot trooper blush. It does. It's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, Plus they're block surprisingly health, hardy. Vader can fail to one-shot them. Yup, yup. Yeah, stupid, I tell you, stupid. 
so what's your tempo for this map then? Is it still hyper aggressive, or because the door doesn't auto open, does that change the way your tempo functions at all? You're not going to win unless you get to your opponent. It either okay. ma maybe maybe with the with the the strain tokens on the objective points, you might be able to out objective them, but not not realistically. You also don't need to worry if you have um if you have the two objectives on the ends you don't need to worry about them because points will end up stacking on them and you can grab them later but you need to be in your opponent's face and so the, the tempo is always aggressive um most other lists will have more card draw than you because or equal or more card draw than you and so you don't want them getting their command cards you one of the strengths of being all melee is that you were usually contesting their terminal which starves them of cards which is what you want interesting yeah yeah that does make perfect sense so your objective utilization then how much do you care about the objectives on krikna and whatever the other one is called respectively after you've killed the first krikna in the middle room you generally want to ignore them because it is a lot more effort than it's worth. Because with, with two and eight block, your list is going to have a really hard time getting through it. Yeah, those good boys, they're really not going to be doing much. I mean, on a max roll, you're doing four damage, which means you need two perfect rolls to kill them. And if you fail, you've spent all that movement to get up close to them, so you're going to take a bunch of damage in return. Yep. Yeah, and you don't get very many points at all. No, it's, it's, mm. it's again, you kill, you kill the one in the main room, and if you have no other options then you will kill kill krikna if you need to play slightly more defensive because they because they've eliminated some key figures and you need to back i say you need to backpedal but that's not right either because you're not going to be completing your objective of get in their face by backpedaling even if you're behind which is a tough pill to swallow that you just need to keep moving forward and hope that if you're behind, you're able to make a pummel play, you're able to get a parting blow, a grisly contest, a salacious kill to push you ahead. So what, what do you do about the, the Jabba problem? The Jabba Krikna problem? Jabba's a big boy. He can take a couple of hits from Krikna. So you, you want to beat them to death before the Krikna eat Jabba is the answer. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's 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 the goal. So the interesting thing with Jabba is that he can actually kill a Krikna in three rounds by just by bullying it. He's do you find yourself Krikna doing killer. that? Yes. So <laughs> again, it depends. If if you have the cards that you want, you can use that action to bully, which will do a nice guaranteed three damage to the Krikna. But at, generally, at most, they'll have two Krikna. Two Krikna by, by, round, by round three. And honestly, if you aren't winning the game at that point, you've, you've, you've kind of failed already. So it's... Jabba dying isn't... It's, it's not good, obviously, because that's now seven points for your opponent because he has Salacious on him. But I, I don't worry about the Kriknas. It's... It it is what it is, and Jabba, you're not going to escape with Jabba, and having something fall back to defend him isn't worth the cost. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So that's very interesting. So so generally, what would you say that you are looking for 
on all the different maps, because this is not specifically about the ones in rotation, what's something that you are particularly looking for? Some kind of misposition, some kind of hole to get into, which can be pretty universally applied. The the thing that needs to be universally applied is the goal to 40 every time. You need to figure out where your points are going to be able to come from, regardless of how your opponent plays. I mean, obviously, it does matter how your opponent plays and you getting to 40, but you're a melee list. It is on your opponent to position better than you because your opponent knows what you're going to do. You're going to run up into their face because you're a melee list. So ultimately, it comes down to are they having to sacrifice anything to shoot you? Which is, so you want you want line of sight blockers, but you still need to be going forward to threaten them round two. Regardless of the map, regardless of the objective, if you aren't threatening them with your melee attacks round two, you're probably going to lose. Okay, so on that vein then, what would you say that you are scared of with the list? How can your opponent play in a way that makes it very difficult for you to win? Basically, your positioning against a list like this, you need to be counting spaces. You always have to, you want to make it so that every one of your figures requires your, requires the melee person to spend command cards to attack. I will tell you this, I never won a game against Daniel Taylor with a melee list because that man counted squares faster than uh, a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Other countable things. Yeah. (laughs) Ultimately, ultimately it, it, it comes down to the opponents misplaying on positioning. If you're not forcing, if the opponent isn't forcing me to spend command cards to get attacks in, I'm going to win. That's 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 how it is. Um, just because you have you probably have more attackers than your opponents and a lot more tactical flexibility in terms of map control. So if if they're not forcing me to use resources to get attacks, then then that's a good game. Hmm. Ultimately, the onus is on your opponent to not get close to you unless that's what they want to do, too. And then it more or less comes down to a dice fest and who got better command cards yeah i guess we we covered a lot of different matchups but we didn't cover the semi mirror matchup that's just playing the list maybe <laughs> that you would have built mm-hmm. instead of that derek built for you that comes down to those type of games come down to a little bit of luck and a little bit of command card draw but it comes down to target priority what can you kill? You want to make it so that if you can kill an activation before it goes, you do that. If you can kill a figure easier than another, you generally want to do that. Because if they have fewer activations, if they have fewer attacks, then you are going to be successful. So target priority is huge if you can kill something before it activates do it every time i don't care if it's a support figure i don't care if it's if it's somehow you're managing to kill vader always kill figures before they're able to activate because having more activations always gives you an advantage in terms of a list like this because every one of your activations can threaten your opponent outside of c3po so sounds sounds like maul is the best thing in this type of list or to to fight against this type of list because he can't be killed 
Maul, I know there's a lot of hype around Maul, but in my list, he doesn't he, he doesn't have any innate defenses and running into my we both want to run into each other yeah. ultimately. And sure he has high damage, but if you target prioritize right, he's gonna get two activations of damages. And because his first attack is not going to kill any of your attackers. So he will have to use both attacks to kill one figure. Yeah. So so you're probably a lot more scared of Vader then, as Vader is deals a little more damage than Maul. Yes. But is ridiculously more tanky. Yes. Does he really only deal a little more damage than Maul? Eh. I guess during, so. During the, during the round, yes, he only deals a little bit more than Maul. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I just feel like it's Vader is just more flexible than Maul, I yeah. feel like, because of his option to do either his attack or his force choke. That's what makes Vader super scary, along with his super tankiness. Exactly. And also, each of Vader's parting blow is a lot more valuable than Maul's parting. I mean, we had a whole episode dedicated to this, so we're not going to get into yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Maul again and everything. But. Uh... Yeah, no, that's interesting. So how do you find, if you're against an all-melee list, as in they have zero shooting, would you play, would your tempo change a little bit? Yes. Because you then do have the upper hand with your shooting. Yes. So if if your opponent is running an all-melee list, like first round, you, you're going to be going with the Gamorreans first. You want your opponent to come up. A melee, a melee off is always an interesting thing. Kyle and I had one the other day when I was running a rgc riots and mara list you it's it's kind of a game of chicken because (laughs) whoever commits first is at the disadvantage because if you send figures up now their figures can attack you and fall back which lowers your targeting options so you fight around the objectives it you always will be fighting around the objectives because i mean you're a melee list you want them to come up to you so if you're fighting another melee list, your ga- the name of the game is getting objectives from the mission and trying to force them to engage you at an inopportune time when you're able to get more attacks than they are, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right, so I think that wraps up the gameplay section very, very well. I think we got a bunch of information and detail in that. Uh, but before we wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit about advice for new players, because as I mentioned earlier, we've had a ton of new players in the game. There was one weekend where just in in, uh, in one single weekend, we had 20 new members on the ISCP Facebook group. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, you know, that it hasn't been a constant 20 members every two days, but that gives you an idea of the volume of players getting into this game, which is so, so cool to see, considering FFG discontinued it so long ago, and it's now really, really thriving. I mean, the last couple of tournaments went very, very well. We had a lot of good players at a lot of tournaments. Uh, But so I want to ask you, how would you change this list? Because obviously this isn't, probably isn't something you would consider tournament optimized, considering you took it as a challenge acceptance. How would you change the list to be more beginner-friendly, though? Or is this the most beginner-friendly version of the list you can imagine? I think that this is definitely the most beginner-friendly iteration of the list you can get because all of your unit's abilities are extremely straightforward. They have generally one goal in mind. Um, 
for for a beginner, I do think Derek was right. This is a very easy list to pick up. You don't really have any nuance in your abilities. I think you also have that really good synergy with the command cards because you have so many of those units of the same type that you can play cards on almost all of your units. Yes. Especially, uh, Dying Lunge is my favorite because it's you can kind of do a little bit of a head game with your opponent. I've focused a one health Gamorian while I have Dying Lunge in hand. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, do I attack? He's already activated. Do I attack him and trigger the part, the, the Dying Lunge that might kill off another of my figures? Or do, do I go for a different target? interesting that is really fun i'm actually curious how would you build a tuscan list built around tuscans that is the most tournament optimized you can imagine uh wampas mm, oh yeah. yeah so i i've actually been looking at a fun wampa gamorian list just to throw as much red dice as possible but that um, <laughs> so that, we can't that do wampas though because they're not they're not official yet we have to wait and see yes yes they also do. live in two very different climates so <laughs> yes. one of them's not having a good time it's pretty much the most unthematic list imaginable wampas and tuscan raiders uh, no but i would probably swap out one set of Gamorians for Maul because Maul gives you the ability to kill off queen pieces better. I would probably change the one point of Salacious. While Salacious is nice, I would change it for a different one point upgrade. But yeah, you, you want the focuses from 3PO. Job is a great figure. Getting those extra points from killing figures is mm. another way to calculate how you get to 40 faster. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you find that 3PO manages to keep up with the others in your list, or do you think that maybe getting rid of Salacious and 3PO to get in Gideon, plus you'll have to find room for um, temporary alliance, of course, but do you think that would be a better choice? Um, the thing is, 3PO is one of the most efficient two-cost um, two activations you can do. Um, generally, you will have one of your Tuscans who moved up four and shot with his focus. So 3PO is able to move up and focus him again. So he's effective for two rounds. On the third round, things get a little dicier unless it's on a small map, but he can be used as a semi-objective runner when it comes to a pinch um, because you want your attackers moving forward. And so 3PO is trying to keep up, but he, he generally gets left in the dust. But I don't know if I would trade him out. Do you ever run run him up just screaming and waving his arms to distract people? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. I have used him to block line of sight. Yeah, it's really useful. Yep, he, he's a two-cost figure that you generally probably won't be able to focus, and if he's blocking line of sight next round, he'll probably be able to focus someone. Yeah, and his, his two, two tries to dodge is always terrifying. It is. Yep. Yeah, 3P can be such a pain in the in the right matchups. Not against HK. HK's a pretty good 3PO killer. Yeah, also I feel like if you have, if you go up against like a queen piece list that has a lot of really high damage figures and they use up a really, really big shot on 3PO and he dodges, like that, that's a feels bad moment for them. Mm. Or even if they do get him, he's not worth that many points, so... Yep. Ultimately, he he becomes kind of a sacrificial piece later in the game. But I mean, you need those. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely feel like in a really melee heavy list, you have to pick your points at which you sacrifice units. Yes. Yeah. Because ultimately, you are going to sacrifice units. And that's just that's just a fact of having to run up to your opponent. And choosing which of them are dying is is will help you win. Yeah, I think that, that's actually a really good point in that a really strong kind of uh, feature to have as a player is to choose which opponents, which figures your opponent will kill. You know, you kind of arrange it so that they'll kill stuff that you don't care about living in order to keep your hitters alive later on. Yep. Kind of like uh, smugglers in a Han Ranger list. <laughs> oh man, I love my smugglers. I, I really want to run a Han Ranger list with man sometime because if I'm up against another ranged list and my body blockers are hidden smugglers, that's going to be gross. Hidden smugglers next to 3PO is a body blocker no one wants to face. <laughs> gross. I, I just love that idea. Unless, unless they got a grenade or something. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I still remember in my, my national finals against Alistair, UK Nationals, I think it was 2018, I want to say. And yeah, he killed Han and two smugglers, maybe three in one grenade. Uh, it was ugly. It was ugly. One another nice thing about this list is it's kind of weakened immune because you don't have Ooh. good surges for damage. You're not rolling white defense dice. And ultimately, Weaken, Weaken barely lowers your damage output. So That is very interesting. It, it's very nice in that regard because I was facing... I ended up facing Kyle who had Boba Fett. Um, and it's like, he got the Weaken on me, but ultimately the Weaken doesn't, doesn't... Again, it doesn't really affect the list because Red Red, you're not rolling a lot of surges. And if you do roll a surge, you don't really have a surge for, for damage on the Gamorreans. And for the Tuscans... It's a red-green plus one, and your surge is for pierce one, and that's it's not a high chance of getting the surge anyway. Yeah. Right, so so one final question I want you to ask is, what would you consider to be a nice segue for a new player who, obviously the Tuscans, they're good, but they're, not, uh, they're probably not the easiest 7.73, 7, seven health melee figure in the game. <clears throat> Coughs in Riot Trooper. Um, so, so what what other list would you suggest for a new player who wants to get into Tuscans but doesn't want to dive headfirst? If you're going to be running Tuscans, the Bantha is always a good choice. Um, I was thinking that as yeah. well. It's just super fun. The Bantha, it's a super fun figure. It can do a lot of janky stuff and have command cards that can really work for it. Um, especially that that new one, Apex Predator, is surprisingly good oh, on a Bantha. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I didn't think think about that. Um, so so that's the Bantha is a great figure to run with Tuscan Raiders because having more figures to use Junlin Terror with is always a plus because you never want dead command cards. Tuscans like it when they're able to run with someone else, um, up close because they're 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 very squishy melee figures. So having someone else that might be a higher priority target is is very effective. So if you run them with like uh, Shyla or Maul or Trandoshans, people are generally more scared of those figures and want to eliminate them. 
which allows the Tuscans to live and do their surprising amount of damage with the red green plus one. Um, putting if you're intending to, you cannot use them like a traditional guardian brawler who is going to be in front of your other figures. They need other people to do that for them, which is why the Banth is pretty good because that's running up into their opponent's face and your opponent wants to kill it. Um, if you run them with other melee figures, again, Shyla, Maul, Dial is great to bring up because you can control your opponent's figures, but you can't rely on them to take a lot of shots. So other people that want to run with them um, will help them shine. Yeah, I feel like the Bantha will draw a lot of fire that is giving a, a little bit of a, a breather for the Tuscans. And also, the Bantha's big, too. So in some areas, it'll kind of block line of sight, whereas your Tuscans don't have to worry so much about line of sight because they want to get base-to-base -base anyways. Um, it does make it a little bit tricky. Sometimes the Bantha can block areas that your guys can't move through, so positioning can get a little bit dicey in some maps. Yep. So I'm just looking through this now, and from what I can see, you could run a list with two Bantha Riders, one Tusken Raider, Maul with Darksaber, and then <laughs> Jawa R2 stuff. Yeah, and then Jawa stuff um, with uh, R2 and 3PO. That sounds absolutely gross because your opponent has to kill Maul first. And if they do, you have two Bantha Riders in their face. The problem with two Banthas is they compete so much with each other because they can't yeah. move through each other and they are effectively melee. True. The, the way I see double, a double Bantha list is it gives you the resources so that when your opponent inevitably kills your first Bantha, you have another one right behind it. So the, so the second one isn't going to do much for the first couple of rounds, but once the, the first one dies and they've used their resources to kill it, then it really gets its golden moment. But I do get what you mean. But 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 I just thought of that now, and that sounds absolutely gross, because if you focus down the Banthas, then uh, you're going to get mauled in the face. And if you focus on Maul, then the then the Banthas are going to absolutely screw you over. That doesn't like a disgusting list to try, and I really want to try it, because I am a disgusting person in regards to lists. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty, well, any final thoughts on the Tuscan Raiders before we close the episode out? Just the Tuscans... They are good figures, but they they are now good figures because of the changes that IACP has done. But I still would they're not they're not S tier, they're not top tier. They're very usable and they are good figures, but they are not the best of the best. If you plan to use them, you, you will need to practice with them just to see when it's better to shoot and when it's better to run in and club things depending on map situations. So from from the, you know, melee master, what is the best of the best? <laughs> Riot troopers. Um yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Preach. Yeah, Riot Riot troopers are my favorite are my favorite group brawler deployment. Simply because reinforcements gets you back 7 health and possibly another block token and their attack profile is one of the best with a blue red and a reroll and the strain and two very good sir you have the plus two and the plus one surge i just think they're the best melee brawlers more so than the nerfed elite royal guards oh wow really what, what about the uh, elite trandoshans Ooh. i haven't 
run them enough, but they can't play reinforcements. <laughs> yep. That's true. I really like the normal riot troopers because for the points, they're so tanky. I don't play the elite ones as much, but the normal riot troopers are so cheap for what they do. I mean, the, the elites are cheap for what they do as well. Yeah. Uh, to, to get them in a list, you're paying the same as a group of jet troopers. You get more defensibility. You give away l- less points when they die than jet troopers. And and uh, like like um like Joe like, and like Joey said, they play reinforcements, which means that any player worth their salt essentially is going to run. If if you have the several groups of them, you're just going to split them up into two into two separate kind of formations, moving up one on the left flank, one on the right flank, and you have one from each group on each side. Yep. And while that means you're not going to be able to do a lot of damage in one activation, it means your opponent is going to be facing all of your jet ride troopers plus two because you are almost guaranteed to get off yep. both of your reinforcements. And that is why the riot troopers are my least favorite brawler <laughs> to two-figure uh. two units. Even though they, I, I do agree, I think they are the best for seven points. I will say they are the best for their points, as in, I yeah. think that the Trandoshans are better on a points-per-points basis than the riots are. But if we look at them in, in terms of how much value are you getting for the points you were investing and the points you were giving away... They are, they they have no competition. Yes, rerolls are huge, and so oh, yeah, Trandoshans. I've I've seen surge surge Trandoshans more times than <laughs> I can than I can count. I mean, to to be fair, surge surge Trandoshans is still you know three damage, pierce two, bleed, and a strain. That is true. Well, I mean, counting Trandoshans as melee is a little cheeky because they are technically ranged. That's true. Yeah, and you know, sprinkle on a little assassinate, and you're good. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, casually I sprinkles on an assassinate. I just haven't run Trandoshans enough to really give them a fair shake, but I've I've mm. run the bejesus out of out of riot troopers. Awesome. All right. Well, just before we close the episode out, then uh, super briefly, Joey, what are your general thoughts on season five? Because um, we haven't had you on the podcast before to talk about the season, and I don't think I've heard you talk about it on the I command channel or anything. So, just briefly, what do you think of the season? Uh, Fury of Kashyyyk is the new Spectre Cell, and I think it will be, need to be nerfed. Okay. Outside of that, everything looks looks very fun and relatively balanced. I really like the changes to the Wampas. They they look like they're going to be pretty fun. Mm. I, I don't know how to feel about the recosting of some of the other changes before, like the ATST and Luke and um, a couple others, uh, just because I haven't really played a lot of them i i i think the atst was fine at 11 but that's that's it's its own it's its own cup of tea the rise of all the spy groups i find interesting i think spy is a great trait and i think people put too much stock into how good strat shift is i think it's a good card but as a person who generally plays lower card drawing lists it's not really super detrimental for me and i like the idea that spies are good against hunters especially since we unnerfed assassinate yes yes i like the new creature utility cards that came out those the the apex predator looks like a wonderful card for creatures terror loves that card yes yes he does. <laughs> terror on a cavalry charge 
uh, with F1 and within two of Krennic does stupid amounts of damage. <laughs> yep. I love the idea of a neutral figure in Mara Jade. I think what you guys did with that design was wonderful. Mm, thank you. Um, although I think her attack pool's a little too good, but that's that's we'll see about that. She is a very she is fairly squishy. And K2SO and Cassian look fun. I think Mern's gonna be a bit on the strong uh, strong yeah. side. Yeah. Um, Afra, oh, I don't, I don't know how to feel about Afra because there's a lot of good command cards at the zero and one cost and being able to reuse them is extremely dangerous. I think if she's going to have that kind of utility, I don't think she deserves a three dice attack pool because it just gives her a lot of flexibility. It is also counter that whole strat shift thing. Because you can still use various command cards. Yep. The gross thing with her as well is that you, if you if you have a spot and your opponent stretch shifts you, you're just going to go, okay, I'm going to stretch shift you now, which is pretty nasty. Or if they don't have that many cards and you don't like what you got strat shifted into, you strat shift yourself to get different cards. And then you can still play strat shifts in another round because you got Afra. Yep. Yeah. I think you've got a lot of very good points about the season. We are definitely going to see some changes in season 5.1. I think that's coming out beginning of March. And yeah, just some rebalancing issues. Uh, I obviously can't reveal any of that here, but uh, mm. yeah, we're definitely going to keep on ironing out the kinks. Yeah, I guess playing two negations and two calm disruptions in a game is also a bit... Can't melting. do two calm disruptions. Calm disruptions is yeah. two points. Ah, that's right. Correct. Two two negations and one calm disruption oh also the new the new and improved um under duress that is bonkers oh yeah i'm really interested to see how that gets played so i i'm i'm gonna be honest i brought something a little bit filthy back that should have just stayed in the graveyard but after oh, you know no. her uh -oh. excavations i ran a nice six ugnot list with hk oh, hk 47 no, no you went there and and under oh, duress really? and it was when you get two uh, terminal protocols off on seven figures, <laughs> feels oh, really bad. Nasty, you oh. nasty, nasty Who, boy. Whoever, whoever is hearing this, please don't run it. It's a miserable experience. <laughs> well, why did you say it then? <laughs> because uh. I want it to be nerfed. That's yeah. a really dangerous thing because there were a bunch of things I was terrified about under duress, but they're also so broken. I don't really want to play them against anyone because yeah. with with HK forty seven and and the Ugnots surging for bleed, which means the junk droid can surge for bleed with HK forty seven and under duress. It is oh, it is no. miserable. <laughs> no, oh man. And I did not even think of that. With all of the strain cards, so you'll have three copies of Escalating Hostility and you'll have Out of Time. You can kill Vader off of pure strain. You don't... It's 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 bad. It's ugly. <laughs> Holy crap. That That is disgusting. I mean, it's a really funny, funny thing to uh, picture, though, right? These little robots just poking at Vader and then hey, another listen. robot kind of yelling yelling things at him 
conclusion this is a rebellion oh, oh man so yeah season five will be fun um gonna definitely going to be playing more games than i usually do because i have strong feelings on certain cards in this season so i want i That's love good. this game and i want it to be as balanced as one can get beautiful and that is i think what a lot of us really really want which is again why we have the playtest period so by the time the next set of vsts come out in let's see what would that be may-ish june uh we should have a very balanced meta but a very fresh matter compared to the season four one. Uh, but yeah, so any final thoughts from you guys before we wrap it all up? No, I think no? we've covered a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Alrighty, well, Joey, thank you very much for coming on. Best luck in your endeavors to try and break the game as hard as you can. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me, and I look forward to hearing more episodes and facing you on the field of battle. Well, I look forward to it as well. And yeah, I mean, we still haven't had a Royal Guard champion matchup analysis despite it winning several events at least one vst maybe maybe even two and yeah we might be able to bring you back on for that one considering you are the champ the royal guard champion expert i'm currently two and oh with him in season five so there you go whoop, whoop. Um, ready any last thoughts david and jess nope and see you in the next one everyone all right good night everybody bye-bye bye